good leaders share responsibilities. They develop other people by sharing responsibilities. That's what the Apostle Paul does here with Titus. We see in verse 16, Thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus, for he welcomed our appeal and being very diligent went out to you by his own choice. We have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. Paul is responsible for the gathering, the collection, the administration of this offering, but notice he doesn't do it himself. He doesn't do it alone. He shares the responsibility with Titus. And in fact, Titus shares the responsibility with somebody else, this unknown brother, kind of like the unknown crewman, I guess, in Star Trek. You sort of wonder what happened to that guy. Poor guy. You know, <laughs> later on, he's telling people, hey, I'm the brother. I'm, yeah, sure, you're the brother that Paul mentions. Anyway, I just find it, it's kind of weird. His name doesn't get mentioned. But notice, Paul here is not just sending them out to get work done. He's giving the assignment to develop them. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, in one of his books, shares the theory of 10,000 hours. His theory is that to become an expert in any field, that you have to invest 10,000 hours, and then you'll develop the skill. Now, there are people, of course, who like to argue and sophisticated. That's not true. They try to take him literally. I think the principle is actually valid. His principle is simply, so often we look and think people succeed because of their abilities, and we don't appreciate all the hard work that took, that was required to develop those abilities. Phil Mickelson, for instance, has been a great golfer for a couple of decades. Um, when he was grown up, he was kind of the Tiger Woods of California. They noted, I mean, he was just this golfing phenom. And Mickelson used to say it always kind of irritated him when people would look at him and say, man, he has great golfing talents. Mickelson was kind of like, well, yeah, but people don't appreciate how much time it took to develop that talent, to get it to the level that I could play as a professional. Same thing with Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods had a lot of natural ability, but part of the reason that he was so successful so young was because his dad had him playing golf when he was a toddler, practically. He was putting in his 10,000 hours when he was younger. By the way, dads, you want your kids to follow Christ and to love Christ? Are you putting in the 10,000 hours? Are you helping them as they are young put in those 10,000 hours so that as they grow old? Are you reading the Bible and sharing Bible applications? Are you praying with them and teaching them to pray? Are you bringing them to church, involving them in ministry, involving them in serving in the church with you? If our kids are going to love the Lord as He deserves to be loved, we have to put in the investment of the 10,000 hours. Well, that's what Paul does here for Titus. He's not just giving him a job. He's helping him put in his 10,000 hours to develop his God-given abilities to lead. This point is one of the reasons that I love, one of my favorite illustrations of this point is a strange little chapter in an Old Testament book called Nehemiah. One of my favorite books in the Old Testament, Nehemiah, tells the story of the people of Israel about a hundred years after Babylon has destroyed Jerusalem. 
the Assyrians have taken over. They dominate the world, the Assyrian Empire at this point. Nehemiah is kind of a right-hand man to the king. He's the cupbearer to the king. And word gets back to Nehemiah that Jerusalem has been destroyed, and it's still in rubble. You know, the walls are raised to the ground. Nobody's done anything about it, really. The animals are controlling the place, forging in and out. It's just a disaster. And when Nehemiah's brother reports that to him, he weeps. He goes into this months of prayer and fasting. And then one day he's in the presence of the king, and the king's like, Nehemiah, this is not like this. What's bothering you? And Nehemiah essentially says, the city of my God, the city of my people is wrecked, and I am wrecked with it. He just unloads to the king. And the king of Assyria says, well, would you like to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? And Nehemiah's like, I love to, yes. Okay, I'll give you the, I'll give you the supplies and the safety to be able to do it. And so Nehemiah goes, in the second chapter of Nehemiah, that's the first chapter, the second chapter of Nehemiah, he basically goes and makes a plan. He reconnoiters, takes a look at what the situation is. The third chapter of Nehemiah is like reading the Jerusalem phone book. You know, it basically is telling the story of, of like, who did what? Like the Jones family built this part of the, the wall. And next to them, the Smiths built this part of the wall. And, you know, the Ferguson family, they built the wall by the Sheep Gate. You know, and the Andrews family, they built the ball, wall by the Dung Gate. I always wondered, you know, what kind of bad thing does the family do that gets assigned the Dung Gate? You know, give me the Flower Gate, please, but not the Dung Gate. Anyway. And so, and so I love to ask the question when you read the book, third chapter of the book of Nehemiah, why is that in there? Why waste precious parchment and ink writing a list of people's names and the work that they're doing? It's not like reading Proverbs where there's lots of wisdom. I, I think wisdom that's obvious. I, I think that there are many reasons, but the, none more important than this. Without the third chapter of Nehemiah, you would think that Nehemiah's purpose was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. In fact, that's what people often say. But Nehemiah's purpose was not to build walls. It was to build the people of Jerusalem. God uses the building of the walls of Jerusalem to rebuild his people. You can just imagine the sense of purpose the people have, that God is using them to rebuild his city the sense of encouragement that they have as they look to God and He gives them strength, the sense of closeness to God they feel as they pray and God protects them, the sense of reward that they have. Can you imagine a couple of generations later their kids and grandkids are looking back and saying, our parents did that part of the wall, our family did that part of the wall, our family did that part of the wall. When God gives us gifts, when God calls us to serve in the church, it's not because he's wanting to build the church primarily. It's because he's wanting to build you. And he builds you as you receive his responsibilities and do his work. That is why everybody needs to have a Titus. If you lead a small group, that's great. If you are serving in children's ministry or with teens or men's ministry or women's ministry or outreach to the homeless, that is all wonderful. Who's your Titus? You don't just exist to do the work. You exist to build a Titus, to share responsibilities so more people can experience God. We're not building the walls of Jerusalem. We're, we are still building the people of Jerusalem. 
Now immediately I hear the pushback. Brett, you're telling me that I just don't do the service work. I'm supposed to like disciple somebody as I'm serving beside me. Well, yeah, and I know it's hard. I think it's hard for several reasons, not the least of which it is going to be hard for you to do this if you have a control issue, if you're a perfectionist, if you have a problem with pride. You know, dads, it's really hard to teach your kids responsibility around the house if you've got control issues. You know you could garden better than they do. You could mow the lawn better than they do. You know, moms, that you could make the beds better than they do and clean the rooms better than they do. And you know if you ask them to clean the table, they're going to break some dishes. And, and you know that they're not going to get enough dishwasher, dish, dishes in the dishwasher like you can. If you're a perfectionist, you're going to have a hard time. You're also going to have a hard time if you're proud. Because if you share responsibilities with other people, you're not going to get the credit. Can you imagine what it was like for Paul? First of all, had Paul had to release control. What if he assigns this to Titus, and Titus doesn't bring in as much money as, he, as Paul would have? What if Titus doesn't do as good of a job? But what if Titus does a great job? What are people going to say? They're not going to say, oh, Paul, he's a real good leader. No, they're going to say, Titus, man, he's a good leader. Well, he did a great job, didn't he? One of the things I like to do is to um, develop preachers and share responsibilities. But it's humbling sometimes. Several years ago, many years ago, I preached a sermon on stewardship, and I used an illustration that I borrowed from a friend. And the illustration essentially was all fries are God's fries. It was a long illustration. It was a funny illustration. It was a brilliant illustration. One of the finest illustrations ever in the face of humanity. Um, then a few years later, Patrick Dennis preached a sermon on stewardship, and he shared an illustration, except his illustration was not all fries or God's fries. He used Skittles. And have you ever heard Patrick share the Skittles illustration? He shared it a couple of weeks ago in his message. All Skittles are God's Skittles. Can I tell you the number of people who came up to me after, who talked to me after Patrick preached? It was like, that Skittles illustration was so good. I've never heard an illustration like that. So, I mean, I'll never forget the Skittles illustration. And I just wanted to die. What about the fries illustration? I shared that years ago. You know, if, if you share responsibilities, if you let other people get developed, other people can get the credit. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Somebody said, it is amazing how much can get done when nobody cares who gets the credit. It is amazing how much can be accomplished in the church when everybody just wants God to be glorified. And we don't care who gets the credit because after all, there's only room for God to be glorified in this universe anyway. No room for glory for any of us in reality. But if you don't develop other people, you will wear out. If you don't share the load, you'll be exhausted. Boyle's Law says, if gone unchecked, work will flow to the competent person until he submerges. So who's your Titus? Who are you raising? Who's, who's walking along with you? You're sharing responsibility so, you can, so they can get their 10,000 hours in, so the work can expand, and you won't be exhausted.